Hello and welcome to this business. This is You Know the One Where podcast, me Stevie and my friend Stephanie and this is just a quick intro into what this show is going to be about. This show is going to have some graphic and explicit content. We swear a lot. We talk about dark stuff, so get ready. We also are going to be talking about domestic violence in this episode, so please be aware of that, and there'll be some resources in the show notes if you want to check them out. Enjoy, and we're sorry. And one more note before we get started, we experienced some technical difficulties in this episode, so about halfway through, you will experience some craziness with our audio. We apologize. There's also some background noise. We're getting used to this new business, you know, working it through. So please forgive us and I hope you enjoy even through the madness. Thank you. super excited about this. Are you excited about this? Eh, not so much. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Of course I'm excited. Okay, so we're just gonna jump into this shit. True crime. I'm Stephanie. That's Stephanie. Hi. So this week, I'm gonna be telling you a true crime story. And today's true crime story will be about Drew Peterson. Wait. We have to start over. (laughs) You didn't even name the podcast. You have to say the oh, name yeah. of the podcast. <laughs> I know. I'm a professional. I can do this. <laughs> so you are listening to You Know the One Where. And the reason it's called You Know the One Where is because <laughs> I start so many conversations with, you know the one where the girl's eyeballs came out and they were rolling down the <laughs> stairs? Oh, I do know that one. And didn't that happen in Kentucky during the high holidays of Halloween? <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. I have actually found a friend. Anyways. So, yeah. So, that's what this podcast is called. It's going to be about true crime and shit. Please so, sound more enthused. <laughs> I'm super excited. I'm, like, so excited that I can't hide it. <laughs> okay. So, um, I think we should just jump right in. Are you ready? All right. What are you telling me about today, Stephanie? His name is Drew Peterson. Have you heard? I think so. So, Drew Peterson. But I mix him up with another one. Scott Peterson. There we go. That's the one I I mess up with. And this one's a common mix-up because his name is Drew Peterson. The other guy's name is Scott Peterson. Drew Peterson's wife was Stacy Peterson. (laughs) Scott Peterson's wife is Lacey Peterson. So there's a lot of confusion there so both from the same hometown (laughs) are they no bitch how dare you okay so drew peterson this is the one that was in my backyard right Mm -hmm. yep this one is in illinois i don't know where scott peterson was but he was the one who got convicted of killing his wife on um right around christmas uh, his wife Spoiler. and his unborn baby. Yeah, this one's all over the place. There's literally like eight documentaries about this, so I'm not too concerned <laughs> with spoiling the ending. Um, okay, but well, anyway, I'm excited to hear about Drew. He is the lesser known Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently not in Illinois. <laughs> okay, 
Um, so the reason that I chose this case is this case has always stood out to me. First of all, because I originally did confuse it a lot with Scott Peterson, and I didn't really know exactly. I knew about the case, but I always forgot what this guy's name was because he's a piece of shit. Um, so... As they usually are. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I, um... I wanted to pick this one. He is known as the wife killer. That's like his his pseudonym. Is that what that means? I don't know. That's people. Pseudonym? I don't think that's right. Nope, that's wrong. That's wrong. It's the thing that people call him. <laughs> his, his nickname. Moniker. <laughs> oh, yes, that one. Um, so he um, was a police officer in Illinois. And so I'm just going to jump into his story, but I thought that this case was fascinating because of his position as a police officer and how that kind of changed the outcome of this case and his relationship. It's not disconcerting at all. No, no, no. And so um, I also think that he is a very narcissistic man, which you will see. And I'm just very excited to introduce you to this um, psychopathist. Aren't they usually, though? Oh, of course. Like, the, these wife killers, they're usually pretty narcissistic. Oh, 100%. And, like, this, he has such, you know, strong tendencies where he continues to display the same behavior. It's kind of, it's like a pattern for him. I mean, it's insane. So, we're going to start out with the beginning. The very beginning. So, he was born on January 5th, 1954 in Illinois. After high school, he enlisted in the United States Army and served for four years. In 1974, while in the Army, he married his high school sweetheart, Carol Hamilton, and they had two children together. People said they were the ideal couple. People in their high school commented about how they were hashtag goals. (laughs) Oh, ew. (laughs) Sorry, it felt wrong. That was gross. Sorry. (laughs) And that was before the hashtag. Yeah, this was in the 70s. started. Yeah, it was still a pound sign. So, <laughs> so um, they, yeah, people just envied their relationship. People said they were made for each other. They went to prom together. So it was kind of, um, I, it was a given when they got married. People expected it. And so they had um, two children together. And while they were married, um, after he got out of the Army in 1977, he joined the Bolingbrook Police Department in Illinois. Do you know where Bo- Bolingbrook? Wait, this is in Bolingbrook? Bolingbrook. Do you know that? No, totally don't know exactly where that is and have friends that live there and <laughs> visit there a lot. <laughs> oh, Stephanie. All right, they're coming to my house next time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, after he was um, made a police officer and he, he joined the police force, he was assigned to the Metropolitan Area Narcotics Squad, also known as MANS. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they called it that. I'm just thinking that they called it that because, like, you have to. <laughs> like, that's such the a... The government does like their acronyms. <laughs> exactly. Like, you probably did that on purpose. Anyways, so he... And then the following year, in 1979, he was given the award for Police Officer of the Year. So he was doing his shit, apparently. We don't know what that shit was, but he was doing it. So, in 1980, Carol and Drew ended up getting a divorce because Carol learned that Drew was being unfaithful. So they decided to split, but reportedly it was amicable. Isn't that what they always say? <laughs> I, I don't know. Not always. Irreconcilable differences. I mean, there's a lot of lot of terms when it comes to divorce, but I mean, his other divorces were not amicable. So I think so other divorces. Oh, get ready, girl. 
And so, <laughs> oh, I'm ready, girl. So, yeah. So he, I, I think for them, maybe it really was amicable. Um, but that's that's what it's reported. So after his marriage with Carol ended, he started dating a woman named Kyle Pyrie. And after four months of dating, they got engaged. However, shortly after their engagement, Kyle broke off the relationship, claiming that Drew used his position as a police officer to harass her. Kyle stated that he was controlling, always questioning her when she got um, when she got home, um, questioning her like, "What were you doing?" and not believing her when she said that she typical was typical controlling man bullshit. Exactly, she'd say I was at the gym, and he wouldn't believe her, and she he always thought she was with other men, and. Um, she reported that he was verbally and physically abusive towards her. Mm. And at, yeah, and after one escalated situation involving physical violence, Kyle left and contacted the police. However, good for her, good girl. However, he works for the police department. Oh fuck, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good try. Shit. And it was, you know, a, so one of his coworkers ended up coming to the house and um, told Kyle that Drew was just upset and that everything was fine and that they were not going to be pressing charges. What? Basically took the decision away from her entirely. Wow. Yeah. So she kind of felt like. Yeah, because it's not up to, pol- to the police officers to press charges mm-hmm. or not, right? Like you decide if you want to press charges and then like a prosecutor can decide if they want to levy charges yeah exactly exactly and she and she basically they told her that and she just went along with it because they're police officers and what is she gonna do she didn't know better yeah exactly so but she was smart and left him and didn't continue the relationship with him um so she broke up with him right away which is sometimes hard yes um however even after the breakup, things got worse. Drew was still harassing her by using his coworkers to help him in writing her unwarranted tickets. Parking Lovely. tickets. Yeah, so they wrote her unwarranted parking tickets, but then they didn't tell her that they were writing these tickets, obviously. Like, she wasn't parking illegally. So then she wasn't paying them. Exactly. And then... Exactly. So they went unpaid, Ugh. and so a warrant was put out for her arrest. And guess who gets to arrest her? No. Yep. No. Yep. So, luck. I mean, luckily, he. It wasn't just him. He was with a female coworker, I think, uh, a female police officer. But yeah, they pulled her over. They arrested her. I'm guessing it wasn't a pleasant exchange. Um, and I'm guessing not. Exactly. Um, but luckily, the charges were dropped because they were unsubstantiated, and so Kyle got away with it. I mean, not got away with it. She didn't do anything, but she didn't have to go to trial or court but she did get arrested she got away from it yes after his relationship with kyle um in 1982 drew married his second wife named vicky Connolly. so him and kyle were never actually married but they were engaged so after they right. split he met this woman named vicky Connolly, and they were soon married so it's reported that he swept her off her feet and they met at a bar and he romanced her ew yuck Yes. Drew introduced himself to her and he asked for her number and she said, no, she doesn't give her number out to people and kind of blew him off. But he continued to show up at that bar every time she was there and continued to ask for her number until she eventually gave in. Ew. Yep. And I'm guessing he was very charming. And so um, the relationship was a whirlwind and led to a quick engagement like his previous pattern. And then they were soon married after that. So they both had children from previous relationships, so they kind of created a blended family together. Um, In a quote from the Chicago Tribune, Vicky stated the following about her relationship with Drew. 
Quote, when it was good, it was wonderful, it was great. But when it was bad, it was really bad. She also stated that Drew was unfaithful and she found out about the affair because Drew had gone out on a blind date on her birthday. What? Yes, she was having a fucking birthday party and the bitch went out on a blind date with this really, really young woman and didn't, she had no idea. Oh my god, yep. how, like, I know he ends up being a murderer in the end, but he's already a pretty low piece of shit, and it just keeps getting worse and worse. And it's gonna get so much worse. Oh, no. oh yes. Of he's... course it does, it always does. Exactly. So, this piece of shit. <laughs> um, anyways, I'm not biased. I, uh, am un- <laughs> I'm an unbiased source. So yeah, so she, I think she ended up looking through his phone records and saw that he was continuing to call this number. He had called it a couple times because she was wondering where he was on her fucking birthday. And she called the number and the woman answered. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. So in 1992, Drew and Vicky's marriage ended due to Drew's infidelity. Once again, Vicky reported Mm -hmm. that he was controlling and he allegedly even bugged their home so that he could keep track of her whereabouts. Are you kidding me? This motherfucker is going out and cheating on all of his wives and then like being controlling and jealous over them. I mean, it's projecting and I get that, but it still blows my mind that people can be like that. Exactly. It's so gross. And like everything's alleged, but it's like you, I'm not doubting for a bit that he did this. (laughs) Like he allegedly bugged her house. I'm like, yeah, he fucking did. And that's well, I allegedly think he's a piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah. Part of his controlling nature wanted to make sure that he was the most important person in Vicky's life, but she had a daughter, and Drew would never be the most important person in um, her life. She would always choose her daughter first. Uh, this, uh, So th- the fact that his um, he would not be the most important person in Vicky's life, it would always be her daughter, it supposedly infuriated him, and Vicky later claimed that he was physically and verbally abusing her and her daughter while they were living in the house together. However, Drew claims that he was just a strict disciplinarian and he treated Vicky's daughter like his own children. Oh! <laughs> Which, no. <laughs> yeah. We'll just leave that there because we all know it. <laughs> we don't need to talk about that. Vicky stated that with Drew, it was, quote, mind games. It was head games. Sorry, my dog's going to It always me. is, though, and it- He's a, in, in abusive relationships. You've got that cycle, and then it's all me- mental games. Exactly, and that's what she said. It's, it's sad. I mean, you, and you can see the cycle. You can continue to see the cycle with him. Mm-hmm. As soon as yeah. as soon as one relationship in his mind starts to go sour or starts to end, he instantly changes. I mean, within seconds, he's on a new date with a new girl. I mean, it's just wow. Yeah, it's it's very sad. Vicky also claimed that Drew threw her to the ground and took a gun and pointed it to her temple and threatened to kill her and make it look like an accident. Oh! Can we say foreshadowing? Some uh, some of these times with these altercations with Vicky, the police came over, but she and Drew would say that the police are our friends and so no no reports were ever filed. Mm. However, in one entirely strange, crazy, crazy incident, after her split with Drew, Drew and Vicky owned a bar together, but I'm pretty sure that this was her job at the time. I don't know if it was her only job, though. So she was working at the bar, and this was after her split, so she still owned the bar with Drew, even though they weren't together anymore. Um, And he showed up to the bar early and told her that she could go home. And she was confused because how did he know that she was there? Because... He didn't know that she, it wasn't a planned for her to be there that, that that day working, or he wasn't supposed oh. to come in. There was something about, like, the timing of it that was kind of suspicious to her, but she was like, hell yeah, I get to leave early. I don't care. I'm just going to go. So she left, and on her way home, something jumped out at her, possibly an animal, 
and she went to swerve her car and slam in the brakes, and the brakes didn't work. <gasps> and her car rolled over three times and slammed into a tree. Oh my god. And left her, she was severely injured, especially with head trauma and facial injuries, and she ended up in a coma. Now, oh my god. Some people believe that Drew may have messed with her brakes or, temp, you know, tampered with her car, but obviously it's all alleged. And so, uh-huh. um, while she was in the hospital, they said that her facial injuries were so bad that her nose was in, in like, inverted into her face. Like, her face oh. was concave. Oh, Yes. Ouch. And so, um, she had to get... Well, oh, and that found a kind of brain damage, too, right? Oh, yeah. I'm pretty... Yeah. I mean, she had severe yeah. head trauma. Luckily, she didn't die, though. Once she awoke from the coma, she had to have several reconstructive surgeries. Uh, she said she realized that if she wanted to get out of this marriage alive, she needed to give Drew exactly what he wanted and not fight for anything in the divorce, especially finances. So, she just split, did the divorce, didn't fight for anything, and just wanted to get away from him. Oh, man. Which is sad. I mean, they owned the bar together, and there was probably a lot that she gave up, but she was scared. Or a lot of her money that was tied up in mm-hmm. that, and she lost it all, I bet. Exactly, yeah. Yep, but, you know, she it was trying to do what was best for her, and it just stinks that she didn't get what she deserved, but it potentially really you know, kept her safe. During this time... This guy sucks. Oh, get ready. Sorry. I no, had to interrupt with no. that declaration. This next fact is another reason why this guy sucks. Great. So, <laughs> during his time while married to Vicky, Drew was on the job as an undercover narcotics police officer, and he was being investigated for misconduct. Not surprising. Yes. I think it had to do with bribery and, you know, a part of the whole undercover thing is you have to kind of become a criminal. You know, you have to change your mindset and become a different person. And also, you're kind of above the law. You can break laws without getting arrested because you have to be a part of their gang or or whatever. You have to prove yourself. Exactly. So, he ended up getting found guilty of disobedience, failing to report a bribe, and other offenses. He was fired from the police station. But, <laughs> but, 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 he appealed the case and was reinstated the following year. Are you serious? Yep. I mean, I'm not surprised. Literally, I was going to say, well, they're not going to get him on all this other stuff. They're going to help him, you know, abuse his power and commit crimes before. It'd be surprising if they actually get him on this, but never mind. They didn't. <laughs> yes, and I, I, I honestly think things are different now. But it's just, it's just sad how many, like, how, how would this have changed the story if he had lost his job, if he had been fired? What, you know? Mm. It's just, it's, it's so the what ifs are just what's so crazy. <laughs> Sorry, my cat. He might have still killed people. I mean, oh, a hundred percent. But just with a different. I mean, he wouldn't have had that power and authority and the badge, and so it kind yeah. of. And most people, I think, in this world take that to heart and realize that do it for the betterment of society. But I do think there's people like him who go into those positions to manipulate and to, to, to have the power. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And I think that he's, I, I think he is an outlier. I hope, but he miss he misused and did a lot of shady, shady shit. Tangential question. Yeah. Is Drew Peterson the one where there's a movie and he's played by Rob Lowe? <laughs> That's one of my... Or is that Scott Peterson? No, 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 no. So that's one of my like, favorite things about this story i'll we'll ha- I'll, I'll talk to you <laughs> spoiled it. i'm so sorry no, no 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 it's it's fucking oh my god we will talk about that we will talk okay, about okay, that okay but okay yes. so i'm so i'm right it's, yes. it's true Bravo and kaylee coco what yes oh my god okay we gotta talk about it anyways oh <laughs> 
Okay. Um, so I think part of that also, the whole um, getting caught for doing shady shit, shows that he's just amoral. Like, he's just thinks he's above everything. You know, he yeah. can get away with everything. While married to Vicky, Drew was having an affair with a woman named Kathleen Sabio. Drew told Kathleen that his wife, Vicky, was a heroin addict and was out of the picture. Vicky, Why so- you always lying? <laughs> exactly. And like, obviously Kathleen is going to have an opinion of Vicky now and not really care that she's with a married man and thinks that she's, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's manipulated her. And um, it's just gross. Just so gross. So, Two months after he divorced Vicky, Drew married Kathleen. Kathleen and Drew had two children together, but this marriage, like his others, did not last. Nope. <laughs> so, um, Drew stated that everything was great until Kathleen had their children, and then everything changed due to the hormones. Wait. <laughs> This ball sack wants to blame hormones on why their life changed after having children. I mean, in a way, he's not wrong. Hormones did play a part in having children. <laughs> but, like, what the fuck? <laughs> he said... Oh, I hate this guy so much. I know. He, he is such a misogynistic, sexist asshole. It's, it's just gross. So, yeah, he said it was an emotional roller coaster with her, and so he... um. He couldn't he couldn't handle her because she had children and apparently children ruin you as a human being. Oh, wait, wait. Th- his words? That was what he said. Children ruin you as a human being. Oh, no, I said that. <laughs> oh. He said, quote, <laughs> he said, quote, everything was great until Kathleen had their children. Ah. And then everything changed due to the hormones. It was an emotional roller coaster with her. I'm sure it was yeah. with him. But also because you're an abusive asshole. You know. Who wants the, your partner to have you be the center of your universe? Oh, let's have children well, because that won't change. Well, and I think he was also commenting on the fact that she had gained weight and like wasn't as, you know, as beautiful as she was before she had kids because she had gained weight and maybe she had changed her appearance. She was a mom. I'm a little sad that this is a podcast because I want people to be able to see my face. <laughs> your face though. As soon as I said it, that's why I kind of said it with a little bit of chipper in my voice because I knew as soon as you were. It was just going to like hit me where I live. Yeah. Fuck you, man. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, so in 2002, Kathleen got an order of protection from Drew stating that he was physically and verbally abusive. He had broken into her house while she was sleeping and stood over her. Were they separated at this point? Yes. He broke into her house and she said it was like, he looked at me like basically saying, I can get at you at any time and I I can kill you. That's so creepy. Yes. She woke up with him standing over her. That's gotta be one of my top five worst fears it's is so just creepy. waking up with somebody in my house yes oh gross so yeah so she this is all in a letter she wrote a letter to the court um for the protection order she also said he knew how to manipulate the system and would try to take away her children or kill her instead so take away her children from her wow or kill her does he even want these kids? I don't know. For like realties or he just wants to take them away from I her? I think it's a power move. I don't think, I don't, I mean, honestly, he could have been a great dad. He could have been, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> Once again, missing out on my face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a hard, it's hard to know, but yeah, he tried to take the kids away. Um, it was reported that the police were called up to 18 times to Kathleen and Drew's home due to domestic disturbances throughout their, um, wow separation and i think their relationship and i think the a lot of the domestic disturbances were actually because of like 
custody, like, when the kids would come home and stuff. So some of them weren't, like, screaming matches, but some of them were, like, he was supposed to drop the kids off at midnight or whatever, noon, and he didn't. Oh, yeah. So I think that, but still, I mean, it goes to show you that there was a big problem. There, there were problems. Yes. Yeah. Drew's son from another marriage, so Kathleen's stepson, stated that he heard and saw many altercations between Kathleen and his dad, Drew, and that he would physically assault her. He even stated that the assault was so loud it sounded like a train going through the house. Whoa. Can you imagine your dad beating the shit out of your stepmom and you have to listen oh to that at God. such a young age? How old was this kid? It doesn't It doesn't say how old he was at the time, but just sad that they had to witness that because that's... That's so sad. Yeah. And it, it goes to show it wasn't even, like, her child. It was his child from another marriage. Like, he was... Right. During their marriage, Drew was having an affair with a woman named Stacy Kales, who at the time they met was 17 years old. Oh, come on. Kathleen found out about this affair from an anonymous letter she found in her mailbox saying that Drew was in a sexual... Sexual. Saying that Drew was in a sexual relationship with a teenager and to, quote, protect yourself and your family. It's still not known who wrote that letter. I bet it was wife number two. I, 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 yeah, or maybe one of the kids. I don't know. She, so Kathleen and Drew divorced the following year in 2003. However, following the divorce, Drew ended up filing a domestic battery charge on Kathleen, claiming that she was the abuser. What? Luckily, she was later acquitted of these charges. Plot twist. I know. And not that women can't abuse men. Which they absolutely can. And not that, you know, there can't be co-abusers. But what the fuck? You, like, no. Anyways, so that's just, you know, icing on the cake. So she was later acquitted of the charges, which is good, but... I don't know if it's still on her record. I don't understand how that works, but that's something that would probably... If you're acquitted, like, I mean, you're not convicted. But does it still show up that you were, like... I don't think accused so. ...accused of domestic battery? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't really... I don't really need to know. It's just shitty. <laughs> it's just really shitty. Until you're um, charged with something and are acquitted of it later on. <laughs> yeah. Then, I <laughs> then should, you might want to yeah. know. I should study up just in case. <laughs> Oh, God. So, later in 2003, following his divorce from Kathleen, Drew remarried once again to Stacey Kales, who was 30 years his junior. Lovely. He was 49 and she was 19 when they were married. He's a class act. Stacey changed her last name to Pearson and they had two children together. It is said that Stacey was Drew's... So, he's, so he's on child five and six now. At least. I think he might even have more. I don't know, though. Two children with Carol and then he had two children with... um. Kathleen, and then now he has two children with Stacy. So I, I'm guessing that that's probably how many kids he has, but I'm not sure. Okay. It was said that Stacy was his trophy wife, and that he loved to show her around, and that he had bought her numerous plastic surgeries and other changes to her appearance. Which you know, if she wanted them, hell yeah, do you? If, right. You know, but or was she pressured to have yeah. them to keep him? Yeah, I don't know. And and that's the part that's not known, you know. It's, yeah. It's hard to know whose decision that really was. But in a wonderful event, Drew and Stacy bought a house together down the street from Kathleen. They could literally see each other's houses. Are you serious? They can live anywhere and they choose to live down the street from his ex-wife. And I get wanting to be close to your kids, but you can they could see each other's houses. It was a manip- it was a power move. It was to be a fucking dick. Yeah, like it's one thing when you actually are in an amicable breakup and an amicable di- divorce where you're trying to make it work. It's another when you're a- an abusive asshole and exactly. it's just another way to control somebody else or creep them out and taunt them with your new, younger, hotter wife. You know, quote, quote unquote. Ugh. 
And and like it showed before when he told Kathleen about Vicky being a heroin addict, we don't know what he told Stacy about Kathleen. Yeah. So he could have put all these types of ideas in Kath in um in Stacy's head about Kathleen. Right. So um, it was also reported that Drew and Stacy would harass Kathleen by rollerblading by her house or flipping Kathleen off when they drove by. So wow. she wasn't even really comfortable in her own house, in her own home, and in her own city street. He sounds super mature. Yes, he's definitely an adult. During this time, Kathleen and Drew were attempting to work out their financial situation after their divorce. Kathleen wanted her fair share of the finances, as she should and she deserves, and she was granted it by the judge. However, Drew did not want to pay it. He was adamant that he did not want to pay it, and he didn't think that she deserved it. During this acrimonious time, Drew had his and Kathleen's children over at his house for a weekend visitation. That Sunday night, he went to Kathleen's house to drop the kids off, and there was no answer, so he went back home with the kids. He stated that he tried all day on Sunday, as well as all day on Monday, to try and find Kathleen, but she was not answering any of his phone calls. So oh, he no. Yeah. So he decided to go to one of Kathleen's neighbors and ask them to go into Kathleen's house and check on her. So they called a locksmith because nobody has fucking keys. So why are you going to the neighbor who obviously... Wait, the kids don't have keys? No, they're young. I think they're pretty young. Oh, okay. I mean, they only have two kids together, so I'm guessing they were under the age of 10. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, nobody had keys, so they called a locksmith. And the locksmith came over and unlocked the door. And Drew said that he didn't want to go inside, that he didn't think it was right because of the order of protection. So he was going to stay outside while the neighbors went inside to look for Kathleen. Wait, so your ex-wife is not home when she's supposed to be, and you can't find her, and you call a locksmith to get in the house. Why wouldn't you just call the police? He is a police officer. It's so fucked up. I don't know. I don't get it. It's, he, why don't you call one of your buddies and be like, I'm worried about my wife, ex-wife, and she's- Break and, down the door. She, and she obviously cares a shit ton about these kids, and she's not gonna just not be there when he comes to drop off the kids. She knows it's gonna happen. Yeah. It happens every Sunday or every other Sunday. So, yeah, I, I don't get his reasoning. So, he was waiting outside. The neighbors go inside and call for Kathleen, and they got no answer, so they started looking around. When they go upstairs, oh, no. they find Kathleen face down dead in the bathtub- on March 1st, oh, gosh. On March 1st, 2004. Her hair was damp, but the bathtub was dry. She had extensive bruising, scrapes, and had a severe gash on the back of her head. Her death was ruled an accident due to drowning by a coroner's jury. Uh, what about the bash on the back of her head? Well, we'll learn about that one a little later, but... Lovely. I think they thought that she fell in the tub. She was getting in the tub, slipped, fell, hit her head. And no, she was face down. Yeah, and the tub was empty. So how did she drown if the tub was empty? Well, that means so the tub, she was unevaporated. <laughs> or she unplugged it before she passed out. I don't know. Science. But if the, if the, if the bash is on the back of her head, but she's face down, like if she hit her head, wouldn't it be like on the front of her face? Oh, um, isn't that how falls work? You fall, hit the back of your head, and then you fall forward because of the G-forces? I mean, I fall a lot, <laughs> I'm not really sure. <laughs> I don't know how they came to this conclusion. Everyone was like, what the fuck? Especially her family. Her family did not believe that this was an accident and questioned Drew's role in the death and her his weird behavior. Kathleen's sister stated that Kathleen had said, he's gonna kill me and it's gonna look like an accident. Wow. Which is what he said to Vicky. And so he must have also said it to Kathleen because Kathleen said it to her sister, which is just sad. However, Stacy, his new wife, provided him with his alibi around the time of Kathleen's death. So not suspicious at all. No. 
So, following the accident, Drew remained involved with Stacy for the next three years until October 28, 2007, when Stacy disappeared. Stacy was supposed to go with her sister to help her with a painting job, but she never showed up. Drew claimed that he received a phone call that night from Stacy saying that she had left him for another man and abandoned her car at the airport. Her family and. Okay. <laughs> it gets worse. Her family and friends reported Stacy missing right away and insisted that she had been preparing to leave her husband, but she would never leave behind her children. An extensive search was conducted to find Stacy, but they found no trace of her. Drew insisted that she left him for another man. However, there was no electronic trace of Stacy, no phone records or credit card activity after she disappeared. So at this point, Drew was a major suspect in Stacy's disappearance. That means you're dead. Sadly, sadly, sadly. Or at least for me, if there's no credit card activity, you know I'm dead. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if my dead body is still making online purchases. <laughs> <laughs> my spirit. Uh, In the afterlife. <laughs> yep. I need that thing from Amazon that's so weird and nobody ever needs. <laughs> I'm going to be the coolest one in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I got Amazon credit cards. Woo woo. It was reported that Drew seemed unconcerned about his wife's disappearance, and he was making flippant, flippant remarks and joking about Stacy to the media. Whoa. Yes. In like, a at least pretend, dude. Come on. Exactly. In a quote from the Today Show, Drew said, quote, I'm not trying to be funny here, but Stacy Peterson would ask me for a divorce on a regular basis, and it was all based on her menstrual cycle. Oh, are you kidding me? No, he said this on live fucking television. And he thinks this is going to get, like, people on his side. It's it's just disgusting. Right? He's like that guy in, in a group where he thinks he knows what the inside joke is. Or, like, he thinks every... Like, like, when you get into a conversation with people and you think they all, like, kind of believe the same political things you do and then you misspeak or, like, you say something and then you kind of realize, oh, shit, not everybody <laughs> agrees with me. <laughs> so he, except he doesn't realize exactly. that. Exactly. Like, oh, women, eh? <laughs> exactly. He has no clue. Exactly. Ugh. Yeah. That's going to be my sound bite of this whole podcast. It's me going, oh. <laughs> it's just exasperating. Oh, yeah. And the fucking cherry on top of the cake is his lawyer even suggested that a Chicago radio station host a dating game with Peterson in 2008, three months, less than three months after Stacy's disappearance. What? Yeah. And he said that he would, like, do interviews and promotions for this you know radio show because he was basically saying she left him so he needed a new woman like what radio show is this i want to make sure i never listen to them um i'm not sure i probably have i probably have an image of it somewhere where he um i'm gonna google it it was chicago's wjkjmkfm steve doll morning show i don't know it yeah it, it doesn't sound like something that I would want, but... <laughs> so yeah, Steve Dahl Morning Show is what he was supposed to be on. His lawyer thought this was a great idea, apparently. So he um, was going to do an interview, I think with like a pretty popular news station. He was going to do an interview about this this sh game show. But he told them, I will not talk about Stacy. I will not talk about Stacy's disappearance. I will only talk about this dating, dating game and radio show. 
Obviously, they didn't abide by that. And they started asking him questions about Stacy and, like, what was going on. And he said, oh, he just walked off the live interview. Like, just walked off. And it was like... he said he wouldn't do it. Yep. You can see it. I mean, this is all online. Like, you can see all of it. It's... And people said, like, that was, like, they were just shocked when they saw him just get up and walk off. At this point, he had hired a publicist... And was selling interviews, stories, and photos for money. And one month following the disappearance of Stacy, Drew's publicist reported that Drew was engaged to 23-year-old Christina Rains. How long was this after the disappearance? One month. Wait, what? Yeah. One month after his wife disappears, mm-hmm. he's engaged to somebody else. Mm-hmm. It's like he's not even trying. Nope. Yeah. And so Christina went on an interview with him and stated to the media that she believed Drew was completely innocent and would never hurt anyone. However, this relationship did not last and ended shortly after due to her father giving her an ultimatum, stating that he was concerned about the way Drew tried to control her and that he feared what Drew would do to her. Wow. Christina called off the relationship and stated that the engagement was a publicity stunt to keep Drew in the media spotlight. Like, what? you're you're a fucking murder suspect. You're not a fucking pop star, soap opera star. Like, you're... Wait, so he hired a fiancé, basically. Basically, well, his publicist, like, he has a publicist. Have you ever heard of a murder suspect having a fucking publicist? Uh, no. It's disgusting. I mean, maybe OJ had a publicist, but that wasn't because of his murder. He probably already he was, had it. Yeah, exactly. Like, what the fuck? Can you imagine being these people's family? Wow. It's just disgusting. And so, yeah, he wanted to stay in the media spotlight for some reason. You think you'd want to be away from the spotlight, but whatever. Vicky, Drew's second wife, said after the allegations of his involvement in both Kathleen's death and Stacy's disappearance that he, quote, has the experience, the knowledge, the means, and the mind to do that. That's all I thought about. I'm still working through it. I'll be honest. Like, wow. That's just so... so she's still terrified of him. And that she's like, I, I wonder if she like blames herself somewhat for not saying anything or doing anything. I don't know. I mean, she shouldn't. And she probably is like, well, that could have been me if I started fighting in the divorce. If I had actually, yeah. you know, yeah. And it still could be her if she makes waves. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, I couldn't imagine being in her shoes. Stacy's sister, who is a big, big big fighting for her, has been fighting for her forever, um, stated that Stacy told her two days before her disappearance that if, that if anything happens to her, Drew did something to her and to find her. A friend of Drew's admitted that he and Drew bought three plastic containers around the time of <gasps> Stacy's disappearance. I forgot about this part! <laughs> However, this friend sold the story to tabloids for an unknown sum, so the credibility is questionable. However... Drew's stepbrother attempted suicide two days after allegedly helping Drew carry a plastic container to Drew's SUV, fearing That's he right. yep, fearing he may have helped dispose of Stacy's body. And I remember, I remember this part. I remember seeing this part on the news. Like it kind of been in and out of the news. And when when the brother did he complete or he attempted? He attempted. He when he attempted, I remember thinking like, okay, did he attempt or did Drew try to kill him and make no. it look like a suicide? Because oh. I always thought like. Oh, he knew too much, and maybe he suspected, and so Drew tried to get rid of him. That's actually a good point. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he said that he. I, I don't. I'm not entirely sure, actually. But I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. And then neighbors, however, stated that they saw Drew and another man hauling a 55-gallon barrel out of the house shortly after Stacy's disappearance. So part of this is that nobody can kind of really get what actually happened like did he buy the three containers with that friend or did his stepbrother help him or did he go with someone else or was it a 55 gallon drum and not a blue 
like plastic container. Um, so it's kind of the stories are similar, but not similar enough that they like corroborate each other. Okay. But there are some potential witnesses. So Stacy's sister Cassandra insisted that Drew take a lie detector test regarding these blue containers, but his but his attorney stated no containers were missing, so no lie detector was ever administered. Huh. Because they couldn't prove that they ever existed. I mean, we know the validity of lie detector tests and, like, how they're kind of bullshit. But it, I don't understand why, you know. Basically, they, I don't think they would have said yes to a lie detector test if it hadn't been for, like, they're using that as an excuse. I don't think that they would have. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I don't think that they would have done it, period. But they're saying there was, there, you can't prove that there were any, so we're not going to do it. It's not, we're, we're not lying. We're just saying that it never existed, so what's the point? When in reality, like, no. You just, yeah. you just don't want to take a lie detector test. Yeah. Due to the circumstances regarding Stacy's disappearance, investigators decided to revisit the death of Kathleen Savio, his third wife, the one who was found in her bathtub. Gotcha. Kathleen's body was exhumed and re-examined. The re-examination found the cause of death to be homicide, stating that the death was due to drowning following a struggle. <gasps> well, would you look at that? Yeah. It was found that at the time of the original report, one of the members of the coroner's jury was a police officer who knew Drew and assured the other jurors that he was a good man and would never hurt his wife. Why am I not surprised? Yep, he has people in his pocket, for that's for sure. Ugh. It is now believed by some that the gash on Kathleen's head could have actually been a stab wound. Like, that's how severe of a... Whoa. Yeah, that's how severe of a gash it was. And yet, you don't call that a homicide? Who, even if his friend is on the whatever, the jury, whatever, for it, it's so deep that, it, you know, looking at it later, it could be a stab wound. Oh, but she probably just bonked her head. I know. I don't I don't understand. I, I, th it's just one thing that you'll never, that we never get. We'll never get. There's no way to know, like, what happened. You can't be a fly on that wall, sadly. Nope. In 2009, Drew was indicted on two counts of first-degree murder in the death of Kathleen Savio. He was arrested. The case relied heavily on information given by Kathleen and Stacy to their family and friends prior to Kathleen's death and Stacy's disappearance. This evidence is also referred to as hearsay. Yep. In 2010, a judge presiding on the hearing regarding the evidence ruled out eight of the 13 hearsay statements and barred them from being presented to a jury. It's like... I don't like it, but I get it, I guess. But. Because you can't convince people on hearsay. But, hold on. Was the judge of friends with him, too? No, no, no. Okay. However, in 2012, this ruling was overturned, allowing the incriminating statements Kathleen and Stacy made admissible in court. Oh. This case led Illinois to pass a law called Drew's Law. This allows courts to consider to allow prosecutors to enter hearsay evidence under certain circumstances, especially statements from an unavailable witness provided that prosecutors are able to prove that the witness was killed to prevent their testimony and that the statements are reliable. Huh. Which I find... I did not know that about my state. But isn't that fucking interesting? Like... That is really interesting. Like... Because that's the whole thing, is he killed these women, and they have so much to say, but they can't say it because he killed them. Right. And, and like, I get that you can't cross-examine, you know... A dead person? A dead person, or a, dead, or a missing person. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it's not valuable. They still need someone to speak for them. 
And they said this stuff. And maybe, you know, it would be misused, but the amount of people who came forward with information is insane. So this evidence was made admissible. Some of the evidence included Stacy's pastor reporting that she had told him that Drew had killed Kathleen and made it look like an accident and she was afraid of him. A witness also stated that Drew offered him $25,000 to kill Kathleen. Wait, her, his, her pastor? No, so her past, she, it's kind of confusing because there's so many people in this story, but so Stacy, the one who's missing's pastor, reported that Stacy told him that Kathleen was killed by Drew and that he made it look like an accident and she was scared for her life. Right. And then a different witness also stated that Drew offered him $25,000 to kill Kathleen. So it was just another, gotcha. another piece of evidence. At the time of Kathleen's death, Stacy had provided Drew's alibi, if we remember. However, during the interview, Drew was present, which is not normally allowed. Are you kidding me? Yeah, because he said, like, he, wa- I think he was, like, trying to be the protective husband and, like, wanted to be in the room with her and didn't want her to oh, be scared. Oh, protective, all right, but mm-hmm. not of her. Yep. And um, this is obviously not normally allowed due to opportunities for coercion and changing the story and not getting, you know, you want to get separate stories to see if they line up. But... They didn't do that for this case. In 2012, Drew was found guilty of first-degree murder in the death of Kathleen Savio. Kathleen's sister asked the judge during sentencing to give Kathleen, quote, justice once and for all. He was sentenced to 38 years in prison. Drew protested... <laughs> exactly. Woo, woo! <laughs> 38 years in prison. Drew protested his innocence during the trial, stating, I did not kill Kathleen in a fit of anger. Kathleen's sister yelled back, yes, you did, you liar. Good for her. You go, girl. Drew apologized later, saying that, quote, I must have been woozy. <laughs> go fuck I, yourself. I, I must have been woozy. So I stood up and screamed at the judge. <laughs> Maybe it was his, you know, hormones as he gave <laughs> those, those male PMS hormones <laughs> after you have children. After the conviction, he angrily claimed, my favorite quote in the whole fucking story from this oh, man. Oh, Quote, as soon as I get a chance, I'm going to get a tattoo on my back from shoulder to shoulder that says, no good deed goes unpunished. What? What? What good deed? Sorry, what? what? Yeah, what good deed Where? Doing, what? Huh? Are you Two dumb? There's literally not one good deed throughout this entire story. Yeah. I think he was saying because he helped Stacy out and took her in because she was young and had, you know, a troubled past. Took her in or manipulated yeah. a young, impressionable girl. Yeah, exactly. I Piece of fucking lunatic. Oh, my God. So, yes. So, Kathleen's... So, this quote from Kathleen's sister just breaks my heart, but I think it sums up exactly my thoughts and feelings when someone is killed by someone they were married to. Um, She said, quote, One of the hardest things for me is knowing the pain and fear that Kathleen must have suffered at the time of her murder. The horror and betrayal she must have felt when she realized that someone she had trusted and loved more than anything was actually killing her. Wow. Like, you you loved this man so much, and you trusted him so much. You gave him your life. You had children with him. And then he's killing you. That's it's so sad. Exactly. And then her brother stated that he hopes Kathleen is what Drew sees every night before he falls asleep, and that he hopes she is haunting him in his dreams. Does he, so he's still in prison? Yes. Um, Does he get parole? We will chat in a second. Okay. So his brother, her brother also said, quote, he took Kathleen's future, and now she has taken his. 
that. Yes. Drew said while in prison, <laughs> quote, prison is all the nightmarish things that one would think. He wrote in a letter to his former attorney, Joel Brodsky, quote, I'm in a cell the size of a broom closet, peeling paint, rusting fixtures. I have no TV or anything, and I haven't been out since I got here. The food is terrible, and I'm again in solitary confinement. Because you are a cop. Finally, something to bite you in the ass. Also, did you expect something different from prison? <laughs> like... <laughs> Like, did you think TV prison was joke? Like, you're a police officer. You've been to prison. Like, you don't know? Yeah. yeah. So he's a piece of shit. But in 2015, Peterson was found guilty of trying to arrange a hitman to kill a Will County State's attorney, James Glasgow. What? Is that the attorney that put Yes. Away? Yep. So Drew's... One of Drew's son was a police officer for a different, for the Oak Brook Police Department, and he ended up, the son ended up getting fired, and Drew said that he thinks Glasgow is the reason his son got fired from the Oak Brook Police Department. There isn't a ton of information on it, but I think because, uh, I'm not entirely, I don't, I honestly don't know. Maybe he supported his dad, or I, I don't know why he got fired, but he blames or the- Or maybe the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Maybe, I don't know, yeah, so, yeah, so I Drew- mean, that, that, I don't know. He could have, I mean, it could have been for a million reasons, but his, his belief was that it was the prosecutor himself who caused this, and he said that, Glasgow manipulated the court system to convict him, helped get his son fired from the police department, and was trying to stop Peterson from collecting his police pension. So he had like a $7,000 a month annuity coming to him from his police pension, and he was going to receive that in prison even though he got convicted because there was no clause in his pension about like being a terrible person. Oh my god! So he tried to stop him from receiving it, but he couldn't. So he did end up getting his um, police pension, and he gets, like, a $7,000 a month Ugh. annuity. Yeah. But there's, you know, there's no... It's something he worked for. You know. uh, yeah, and he abuses power the entire time. Yeah. Yep. So they couldn't get they couldn't get that away from him, but he wasn't the... It's not like Glasgow was the only person, try, like, fighting against him. Like, there was this, right. But he saw, because he was the state's attorney, and he was, like, the voice and the face of this, he blamed him. He was charged with one count of solicitation of murder for hire and one count of solicitation of murder. He was sentenced to an additional 40 years in prison. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he could have gotten out on parole after 38 years. But now he can't. But now he can't. Now he has so, an additional 40 years, so now he has 78 years. In the end of all of this, we have still not found Stacey? Correct. I'm going to get to that in one minuto. I thought they found her in barrels. That's how I remembered it, but I was pretty young. Well, not that young. I was pretty young. Yeah, she went. She disappeared in 2008. Seven. 2007. Okay, I wasn't that young. I was in high school, so... <laughs> but but like, still, I mean, you probably weren't paying as close attention to it, you know? No, not at all. But yeah, no, she still hasn't been found. Also, just to be the icing on top of the cake, one month after his transfer to a federal Indiana prison for security reasons due to threat of safety, Drew was attacked by a fellow inmate armed with a food tray in the dining area and was, quote, jumped in the chow line of the maximum security facility in Terre Haute, Indiana. I was going to say, it's Terre Haute, isn't it? <laughs> of course. And, like, oh, they jumped me with a food tray. Uh, nobody I cares. I, I try to, I, even though people are criminals, I still try to like humanize them. 
But this guy makes it so fucking hard. He's such a piece of shit. And he's a whiny little bitch. Ugh. The convicted murderer was not seriously injured, and he was housed in a segregation unit away from the prison's general population following the incident. (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's funny. It's going to be the story of his life. Exactly. So, the murder case of Kathleen Savio was scheduled for an appeal in 2017, but the Illinois Supreme Court upheld the conviction. Good. Good. That year, in 2017, one of Drew's sons, Stephen, stated that he believes his father probably killed Kathleen, and he has come to believe that his father also killed Stacy. Wow. Yeah, so his son came forward. However, there is some strife between Stacy's family and the Peterson family um, regarding Stacy's children and the statements that Stephen had made. So I was looking into... um, so when I get into, like, all of the information about Stacy and the search for Stacy, I looked into what her sister Cassandra was saying, and I guess there is some strife about his statements, and that maybe he was only saying them to, you know, to get pop, like, to get famous or something, or to be the good guy or something. I'm not entirely sure. And also, Stacy's family isn't able to see Stacy's kids, so... Wait, what? Yeah. Why? I, I, I'm not entirely sure, actually, but... Um, I think that the Peterson kids are, Stacey Peterson's kids are with his family. With Peterson's family? Yeah, I think so. But I'm not entirely... That makes no sense to me. It was also stated that a police informant has said that Drew admitted to killing Stacey, but as we know, police informants in prison are not always reliable. So even though it sounds promising, it still, it still could just be some guy speak, you know. Yeah. Um, currently Stacey's Peterson's body has not been found and the case is still under investigation. I think like you, like you said, that people believe that because he's in prison that she has been found or that she, the investigation's over, but it's not. She's still a missing person. She hasn't been, they can't even prove that she has been murdered because there's no like evidence of foul play. So the public does not seem to know that Stacey is still missing and that Drew has not been charged in her disappearance. Yeah, because I remember them talking about the barrels, and I remember the attempted suicide, and I remember he had a pre- you know, Kathleen, he had the previous wife who had died. Exactly. And that was how most people made their, their opinions on it. Yeah, so now I want to take a moment for all of the victims. So I wanted to do, I think that in some of these cases, especially when you have a narcissistic, psychopathic asshole like Drew Peterson, the victims can kind of be forgotten. Yeah. So I just wanted to kind of go through some of the stuff that I found online and just talk about the victims because we don't care about him. We care about them. (laughs) Yeah. First, there are tons of statements and interviews online from Carol, his first wife, Kyle, the girlfriend, and Vicky, the second wife online. Um, A lot of them are in news segments and interviews. There's documentaries. There's um, a biography documentary that was very, very well done. Vicky, I don't think, has ever spoken out in public, but she has spoken out in um, in a news article. So I have all of those linked in our description box. So if you want to go and read about the women or see them talk, you can see them in those documentaries. Awesome. Yes. So for the victims, Kathleen Savio. I was unable to find a lot of information about her, but I found that she was an accountant and owned her own condo. Her family stated that she was a very strong woman. They do not think that she was stupid and easily manipulated ma- manipulated, and that he, you know, pulled one over on her. They see her as a strong, independent woman who, 
you know, and you can see that and how she fought back from him and yeah. she wasn't going to take a shit and she called the police and she did what she could do, but they just wanted to make it very clear that she was a strong woman and that she wasn't just a victim. Yeah. So she was a mother, daughter, sister, aunt, niece, and friend to many, and she was taken from this world by a horrible evil in the most horrible way. And for Stacy Ann Kales Peterson, she was a mother of two and an adopted mother of Kathleen's children after her death. It is said that she treated Kathleen's children like her own. Before her disappearance, she was close to completing her nursing degree. She was a sister and a best friend. Her family has stated that she was, quote, the most amazing person anyone could ever meet. She had a tough upbringing and had made it so far on her own, and then she met Drew Peterson. So, her family has... Yeah, it's it's sad when you just think about these women and what they went through and what they're still going through and what their families are going through. So her fa- what they could have accomplished. Exactly, and where they were going before this asshole and allegedly came. You know. <laughs> well, we don't say allegedly for the one guy. Yes, that's why I said for for what for Kathleen we don't, but for Stacy we do. Um, but her family has created a website to find her. If you have any information about the whereabouts of Stacy Peterson, please contact the Illinois State Police at 851-726-6377 or send an email to findstacypeterson at gmail.com. Linked in our description, in our show notes, there'll be information on links on how to find her website. So there's a website called searchingforstacypeterson.com that her sister has run. And you can read the heartwarming story of Stacy and Cassandra's relationship and what she's been through and her fight to try and find her sister and to get justice for Stacy. So um, I'll link that down below. You can also donate. There's a GoFundMe. So there's a lot of stuff. They're still trying to find Stacy. So their donations are going to like tools for cadaver dogs and ground penetrating radar and experts and renting equipment and legal expenses and all of that. So they are expect are accepting donations if possible, but yes, there's just a ton of information online. Also, I think it's important to include information about domestic abuse because it's such a big problem. problem yeah. Have, yeah, and especially in this case, I think yeah. I think that things would have been a lot different if they had gotten help. So there is a website called thehotline.org where you can call and communicate online with advocates 24-7. So you can even, like, instant message them and chat with them online, which is awesome. Because, oh, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, you don't have to pick up the phone. You don't have to physically call them and talk to them. So, yeah, so that's – I just wanted to go through that just because – to make it aware that the victims were sadly taken from this world. And even Carol, Kyle, and Vicky went through some stuff through this, too. So yeah, I just think it's important to – And that's amazing information to have. Yeah. So we need to spread that more. Exactly. So all that information is going to be in our show notes. So now to some of my – our commentary. <laughs> so as you said before, there is a lifetime – movie about this and it is called oh my god are we gonna watch this for our first react episode <laughs> um yes of course oh so well we so we have to find it i think we're probably gonna have to pay for it because apparently they Shit. yeah it's stupid but anyways um it's what is it called it's called the first time i ever found rob Lowe creepy <laughs> like super creepy he looks just like him too that's the craziest part I have so I have all these pictures that I'm gonna post on online too of on not only him and the victims and some of the interviews and um, but also the movie. So the movie is called Drew Peterson, Untouchable. 
And it stars. <laughs> I know. And it stars Drew, uh, uh, Rob Lowe as Drew Peterson and Kaylee Cuoco as Stacy Peterson. And I tried to watch it, but obviously you have to pay for it. And I'm sad and broke, so we might not end up watching it, but we're going to try to find it. But basically, it's $9.99 and you have to own it. And part of me is like, do I want to own this in my collection? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to own this. Oh, oh, oh. So, yeah. So. This movie came out. Rob Lowe played um, Drew Peterson. But yeah, he looks so much like him. And I saw a ton of interviews with Rob Lowe and Kaylee Cuoco. And there's this scene where I, I honestly don't know what's happening <laughs> because I can't. I didn't want to pay to watch it. But where Drew Peterson is strangling, like, um, Drew Peterson's Rob Lowe is strangling Stacey Peterson, I think. And oh, wow. it's, like, in, it's, like, intense. So, um, and there's some some scenes with him as a cop and kind of, like, bragging about Stacey. So the trailer is interesting. It's definitely... I think it'd be fun to watch. It'd be interesting to see, but it has good, it has both good and bad ratings online. So it might be a worth a watch. Yeah. Um, he found out uh, about this movie being made and he said that he's, according to his attorney, he said that the film and his character were quote hysterical. Oh, okay. That was not what I was expecting him to say. No, he didn't even, yeah, he's just a piece of shit. A little part of me is like really mad that Rob Lowe played him just because like, It'd be the same thing as if, like, some really hot actress wanted to play us. We were like, okay. But but they make him they make they like ugly him up a little bit. They like, do ugly him up. oh yeah, he they put fake eyebrows on him and they put here. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on Facetime so you can see these pictures. And then I'll also post these pictures on like um our on the blog and on Instagram and, and stuff. That's Rob Lowe. That's Rob Lowe. That's Drew Peterson. Yeah, but it's still a very hot vert. Like, look at him. No, they made hotter. him wrinkly. They make him well, he's not, like, but he's still kind of hot. <laughs> Ugly Rob Lowe is still hotter than normal Drew Peterson. Well, Drew Peterson's fugly, so I don't know. Anyways, okay, so I have a question for you. Have you ever? seen the movie Man of the House with Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Chevy Chase, and Farrah Fawcett. I don't think so. Oh my god! Wait, are we still recording? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm so confused. So, the reason I'm asking you that is because there is this character on that show. And so I went and I pulled up the picture of the prosecutor because I saw it in one of the news articles and I thought it was from the Rob Lowe movie because he looks like a caricature of a prosecutor. Like I thought for sure there's no way that this is what this prosecutor looks like. 100% this prosecutor looks like this and it's freaking crazy. So here's what he looks like. Is that not kind of a stereotypical prosecutor. Yeah, I'll take it. Like, what? That hair... So, I watched this movie called Man of the House with Jonathan Taylor Thomas, and there was this bad guy who I thought looked just like him, but I could only find a picture of them getting chased by bees. And you haven't seen... <laughs> and you haven't seen it, so you don't know what I'm talking about. But do you also know who... Is his name John Ditka? What's his name? Mike Ditka? Yeah. Mike Ditka. I don't know. He's yeah. a he's a football coach. He looks yeah, yeah. He looks, of course, I know who he is. He looks just like him. He he kind of really does. He looks very close to him. Yeah. So I'm gonna post these all online because I think that it's definitely interesting. But yeah. So I'm gonna post these pictures. I have a picture of Kathleen. Here's Kathleen. She's beautiful. Aww. And there's yeah. her grave. So I'm gonna post all these online so you can see. There's Kaylee Coco and Ron Roblo as 
Yeah. And then there's... <laughs> it's just sad. But yeah, so I'm going to post all these pictures online, but... Like, what a jackhole. He's ew. such a jackhole. I just hate him so much with every fiber of my being. Also, I think that this... I think that it's important to talk about cases like this, mainly because of the power differential and how he had this badge and it kind of changed everything. It changed the entire way that his of his story. But I don't know if it changed anything. He could have always been on track to be an abusive it, asshole. He true. just got more power and was able to do it more effectively. Mm, I think it made it easier. In this, yeah, in, in his career. Yeah, I think exactly. And so I think also it shows how narcissistic he is because he got a fucking publicist and shit. And he, yeah, that's the craziest. He part. wanted to stay in the spotlight. He also the the patriarchal fucking comments and the sexist bullshit. Yeah. So, yeah, I just thought all that was so crazy and out there. Like, it sounds like a Lifetime movie, but it was fucking real. Like... Oh, yeah. It's just... It's just so sad. So, I said that I think that he is vain and disgusting, and I think the way he got a publicist and a lawyer to try and stay in the spotlight is disturbing. Someone is missing, and someone has died. Like, do not get this through your fucking head. Like... The mother of your children. Exactly. The mothers of your children. Like, it's... It's just so, it's so disgusting. So, yeah, he, um, he also gives a bad name to all cops. I mean, hopefully there's not women who are married or in relationships with people and get treated this way anymore, but. No, no, there are. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. I say I hope because I fucking want to be naive and hope, but people miss, but people misuse their power in every way. It's just harder when they're in that position. So. When the people that you're supposed to call when you're in a spot like that are the ones that are helping keeping you in an abusive relationship and making it harder for you to leave and making it so that there is no one to help you exactly and and that's the that's abuse of domestic violence cycle you can see him alienating people from Mm -hmm. but anyways yeah and i think he showed he has to be high on the psycho psychopathic spectrum and be on hair's psychopathy thingy he's probably like bitch got so many points so (laughs) Just because he obviously is charming. Because, I mean, he's getting these women. Some of them are much younger, which he can use, you know, he's manipulative. But he's he has to have something that women... Oh, yeah. He has to be charming, even though I don't see it at all. But I obviously am coming at it as someone who knows he's a murderer. I also thought that it was so crazy, like, how he had this pattern where he would be with a woman. It would start to go sour, in his opinion. That she would have kids and gain weight, and all of a sudden he's out with a new girl. Oh, and he said that this was an, an interesting quote from his second wife, Vicky. She stated that I believe that man had a disease of his ego. He's a legend in his own mind, which I think really. Wow. Yeah. She said, "Quote: We had such a great life together, and he blew it." Sorry, that wasn't a quote. I added a word. <laughs> <laughs> quote: We had such a great life, and he blew it. It wasn't good enough for him. He had four great wives who did everything for him. And it was not enough for Drew Peterson. Mm, wow. I just think that Vicky has some very good insight. Into yeah. She's, she's very well-spoken. Yeah. She sounds it. So, yeah. So, that's the story of Drew Peterson, Stacy Peterson, and Kathleen Savio. Oh, that's a tough one. So... 
because it's a weird way to end an episode on a sour note, I'm gonna, each week I'm gonna do weird shit at the end, whatever I feel like doing. <laughs> so this week, <laughs> so this week I decided to talk about an epitaph, my favorites. And there's this epitaph, it's like a really popular epitaph. I wouldn't be surprised if you have already heard of it, but it is in Congressional Cemetery in Washington, D.C. And it says, never again, July 6th, 1943, never forget, June 22nd, 1988, a gay Vietnam veteran. When I was in the military, they gave me a medal for killing two men and a discharge for loving one. Oh. Yeah. So the story- So the story behind this, I'll, I'll post the picture so you can see the actual gravestone, but the story behind it is in 1975, Leonard Motlovich, a Purple Heart decorated member of the United States Air Force, became the first gay member of the U.S. military to publicly out himself. His fight to keep his military job made the cover of Time magazine in 1975. When he found out he had AIDS in 1986, Motlovich wrote his own epitaph and arranged to be buried at the Congressional Cemetery in Washington, D.C. Both became a reality two years later when he passed away due to his complications with AIDS. Wow. That's powerful. I know. And so this was one of the first epitaphs that I'd ever, ever seen that kind of was like, what made me so stuck with you yeah Yeah. and what made me so interested in them and also now that's still like a bummer (laughs) it still hurts (laughs) you know we've come so far but we haven't come very far this was in 19 you know 1988 but this is a weird gravestone gravestone fun fact because gravestones and graveyards are so fucking fun so (laughs) so many gravestones face the east do you know why because the sun rises in the east? No. I mean, kind of, but like, no. <laughs> An east-west orientation for gravestones is the most common throughout the world. Early American settlers wanted their feet pointing east and their heads towards the west. So when they rose up and faced the sun of a new day, when they hoped to be reborn. When the rural cemetery movement became popular in 1830s, graveyards were constructed with winding roads, hilly terrain, and stones facing different directions. So if you go to, like, old school cemeteries all of them Mm -hmm. are facing the east but now obviously they're not all facing the same way but it is interesting that's why when you go by certain cemeteries they're all facing the same direction and they're all facing to the east yeah now that i think about it i'm gonna notice that every single time i drive by a cemetery now i'm gonna be like oh my god are they facing east yeah you're gonna have to pay attention i mean it's a little bit different now because like the terrain and like they they have changed it but the older cemeteries you can see that they're all facing east or the ones that are like plots of land Mm-hmm. Like just you know, there's no yeah. hills and trees, but yeah, I thought I thought I never really knew that before, but it makes sense that they would have like a ritual behind it. There was a meaning. Yeah. They weren't just putting them anywhere. <laughs> They're just gonna throw them off to the side. Yeah, they can face north. Dig a hole anywhere. Why don't they ever face north? <laughs> but yeah, so this That's is very interesting. Yeah, and this is really fun. I hope you yes! liked it. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll be back in a couple of days with a reactionary episode. So I kind of have maybe changed what I want to do for reactionary episodes. I don't know. We'll have to chat. But we'll, we'll talk be, about it. We will be back on next episode with a reactionary episode. I'm sorry and goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> oh, my God, I can eat food now.